you fell in love with them five years ago, and you watched them grow up. This is our last night together. You're going to be so far away. I'll think about you every minute. Now, in a television event not to be missed, find out what happens to Kevin and Winnie, best friend Paul, brother Wayne, and the entire Arnold family. Okay. I don't want it to end. The Wonder Years, a special one-hour final episode, Wednesday. July Wonderlings, this is Angela Bowen, the host of Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast, and today we will be concluding the season six finale, which is also the series finale, but don't worry, the podcast is still going on, I'm still in season five currently right now. So, the episode is entitled Independence Day. Its original air date was May 12th, also the same day as Summer, which I believe it was shown as an hour-long series finale. So, I'm reading from the booklet right now. Heartbroken at discovering that Winnie is dating one of the other lifeguards, Kevin finds himself hitchhiking home with her when a sudden storm takes a sudden storm faces forces them to take refuge in a barn. And here's a little quote from Kevin Arnold from the episode. It was the fourth of July in that little suburban town. Somehow though, things were different. Our past was here. But our future was somewhere else. Kevin Arnold. And I want to read a little something here in the booklet by Bob Brush, who is the executive producer and episode writer. It was not a candy-coated fairy tale, a candy-coated fairy story, to make us feel better. It was really trying to investigate the nature of life and compassion and mistakes and growing up and love and all of the, these things that are not perfect. That do not always end up perfectly, but have their moments. And in this particular hallowed time of youth, there is a beautiful and yet humiliating and yet sacred and yet absolutely profane period of life that only lasts a few years. There's the sense that those things exist and then go away. Okay... All right, now I'm reading from the IMDb page for The Wonder Years. Uh, the synopsis here says, After catching Winnie kissing another guy and losing all his money and his car in a poker game. Kevin, your car? Your grandpa gave you that car. Well, he didn't give it to him. He did uh, sell it for a buck. But still, sentiment. And you throw it away like it's a used piece of tin. Kevin decides to head back home to his parents. All right, this episode was directed by Michael Dinner, the writers Neil Marlins and Carol Black, along with Bob Brush. This episode does have a 9.2 out of 10, based on 296 ratings. That is the IMDb writing. That's really, really good. But then again, this is the series finale, the second half of it. All right, here's a little trivia. 
Peter Billingsley playing M Mikey Spiegel in this episode. I didn't even know he had a name. He also starred in A Christmas Story, which inspired The Wonder Years. So, I'm not a huge fan. Nah, I know, I know. I'm not a huge fan of A Christmas Story. My sister loves it. Jeremy and I are mm, mm, basically take it or leave it. Uh, but, I love the fact that from that movie came The Wonder Years. So, yeah. I kind of owe A Christmas Story for The Wonder Years. Before this episode was filmed, a rumor circulated that in the scene where Kevin and Winnie were in the barn during a thunderstorm, they'd be nude. Protest groups appeared on the lot, and when executive producer Bob Rush asked what they were protesting, they said, They're not doing a love scene in the nude. A baffled Brush replied, You're damn right they're not. It's like, come on, seriously? That was a rumor. The fact that anyone would think there was truth to that? It's a sitcom on primetime television. People grew up with these characters. Of course they're not going to be making love in the nude. You're not even really going to see them do anything except for kiss. Then it's left up to your imagination. Uh, the, the last show of the series. Yes, it is. The music used in the final scene, Prologue by Randy Newman was also used in the final scene of the movie The Natural, which came out in 1984. I believe that had Robert Redford. He was a um, baseball player, wasn't he? Yeah. Oh, oh, oh! Um, The Unnatural from, what is it? Is it season four? When, or three or four? When Kevin was doing the baseball tryouts and he kept making the team and finally at the end he was cut. So I wonder if that kind of is similar to that. When entering production, it was unclear as to whether the show would be renewed for another season or not. As a result, the script was originally written in an open-ended manner. Ultimately, the series-ending elements, such as Kevin's closing narration, were added in post once the show was officially canceled. The title refers to the American holiday of the 4th of July when Americans declared their independence from England or could be considered when anyone decides to no longer be dependent on another economically, occupationally, or socially declaring their own declaration of independence. Um, do you remember this song? It's a country song called um, Independence Day. I think it's by Martina McBride. I grew up listening to that song as a kid and... Um, it does deal with um, spousal abuse um, and a woman just having had enough and she sends her little girl off to the county fair and basically she, I think she sets the house on fire with the husband in it because the husband, you know, was abusive and the girl, of course the woman's going to get in trouble for that and the girl in the song says, they sent me off to the county home, which basically, yes, I don't have a mother or a father anymore, so now I'm being sent to a foster home. But still, it's, it just speaks about, you know, a woman taking a stance and saying, no more, I'm not going to take any more of this. But anyway, alright guys, let's get into this episode. So, where we left off, Kevin was, you know, start of summer, Chuck and, um... Jeff, they're gone, possibly for good. I doubt they made it back from that trip. 
that they were going on. They were going to San Fran. They were going to New York, New Orleans. They were going to see it all. And with Chuck at the wheel, uh, <laughs> I don't have much faith in that. Um, Kevin is like, hey, these guys get to go somewhere. I'm going to be stuck working at my dad's factory, and I want more out of my life and everything. When he's got her thing at the country club, Kevin blows up his father, says, hey, this job is good enough for you. It's not for me. He leaves, and he gets a couple jobs, different jobs at, uh, well, I think it's just mainly the one, at Winnie's Country Club. And, you know, he wins in a poker game. He's celebrating. Yay, I won so much money. Yay. And then he goes to see Winnie, who's down by the lake, with Eric, I think his name is. And Kevin witnesses them kissing. And the song that's playing is When a Man Loves a Woman, which closed out the pilot episode when he and Winnie kissed. So that's kind of interesting there how they did that. I'd like to hear how they came about deciding to play that song for that moment. Alright, so now we're in the boys' young men's dormitory. We got uh, Ralphie there spraying his pits with a deodorant. Gross. I mean, yeah, he looks nice in a wife beater and all that, but still. Mm. The guy with the feet? He's got his own foot way up in his face. I didn't think you could do that. They're talking about some guy who didn't wash his hair for six months and a tick was in his head or something. It sounds nasty. Why am I... Ugh. Guys will talk about anything gross at any age, whether you're six or you're 17 or you're 25 or you're 100. Age shows no discrimination against talking about gross-out stories. And Kevin finally tells them to shut up. I don't want to hear about a tick that went to someone's brain. That's nasty. He's trying to rest. But the sun's out, so I'm surprised you're not supposed to be at your job right now. That is, if he even has a job anymore. I don't know. He's pretty PO'd. I mean, yeah, he just saw Winnie kissing um, Eric, that lifeguard. I knew! I knew something was going on between them. Just... Their body language, and while he was leaning in close to her to tell her a joke, and just her not pulling away or anything. And she did not pull away during that kiss, either. So the one guy with the feet, who's got the feet fetish, or foot fetish, with the nails and the whatever about his feet, he must love his feet. Anyway, um, he's like, he kind of realizes, oh, he's got girlfriend troubles. You know, his girlfriend's hanging out with King Eric. So King Eric, or Eric must be this... Man about town, this big old stud who's, you know, hanging out with a different girl all the time. Or, the guy's got to have a reputation. But, who shows up in the boys' dormitory but Jack? Jack's there. Oh, I'm going to play this clip. Of course, it was obvious. The old man had seen the light. 
about me, about him. Yeah, mother asked me to come and give you these. She was afraid you didn't pack enough underwear. Underwear? Yeah. And uh, she also packed some cookies. So as soon as Jack shows up, the other, the Dufy brothers, they all take off. Foot guys, like, oh, hey. It's like, uh, go away. And Jack's just looking at these guys, like, these guys are really no different than, you know, like, your other friends, like Chuck and whatever. And, um, well, he's got a sack, paper sack with him. He says, your mom didn't think you had enough underwear, and also she made you cookies. And he says, you know, about what you said, you know, you flew off the handle, you, you know, you're angry, you said things you probably didn't mean, um, there's still a job for you at the factory if you want it, it would make your mom happy. Notice how he doesn't say that it would make him happy. It's all about, basically, he wants Norma kind of off his back about it. So, and Kevin is just the whole time he's waiting for his dad to apologize for what? He's not going to apologize to you. He did nothing wrong. But Kevin just, he doesn't want the job. He doesn't want the underwear and cookies as he shoves it back in his dad's arms. Says, keep them. I don't need them. I'm doing fine here. Because Jack does ask, you know, what does this pay? And Kevin's like, oh, it pays enough, you know, in tips and everything. I'm doing fine here by myself. So it's all about Kevin's pride and showing up his dad saying, I don't need you, I don't need your job, I don't need your money, I'm doing fine here by myself. So Jack is like, you know what, whatever, fine. You say you're fine, great. He keep, and he shoves the cookies and underwear back at him, like, here. So Jack leaves, Kevin puts the bag on... The bottom bunk, which is where he's sleeping, says, hey, I'm going for a swim, as uh, toe guy comes in there, or feet guy. 
those cookies are going to be gone. Those kids are going to take the cookies. They're probably going to take his underwear, too, because you can never have enough clean underwear. So now Kevin is wearing this weird, ridiculous shirt that looks like... Remember that cartoon, like, um, Killer Tomatoes? Was it Killer Tomatoes from Outer Space or just Killer Tomatoes? Actually, this tomato's got two black eyes, you know, almost like a Funko Pop, and then a broad, large smile, not showing any teeth. And Kevin looks, and he sees Eric just kind of hanging out there by himself, just twirling the whistle around on his finger and everything like that. And I wonder if Kevin is actually going to go up and talk to the guy. So Winnie has no idea that Kevin saw her kiss Eric. And she's, oh, hi, Kevin. And he's trying to play it off, you know, kind of nice, nonchalant, like. So Winnie's looking at his tomato shirt, like, I don't get it. And Kevin's like, well, I thought I'd masquerade as one of the guests. So... And he asks, like, hey, do you think we can go somewhere and talk? And she's just kind of looking at him, like, why would I want to go somewhere and talk to you? So, she's really trying to hide this well. She's not happy to see him. No smiles, nothing. All right, I'm going to play the clip. So basically, Kevin says, you know, I don't know what I thought, you know, coming up here and everything like that. And, you know, she has no time to talk to him. She's like, I'm on duty. I got to work. He's like, yeah, you've been doing that ever since I got here. And she's like, well, it's my job, okay? And finally, she, you know, 
she says, well, maybe you shouldn't come up here. Maybe you should go. Maybe you should go home. And he's like, well, no, that's not what I meant. I'm not. Uh, uh, I feel bad for, I really, really feel bad for him. And he finally has had enough. He grabs her by the arm and says, hey, I saw you. I saw you the other night down at that party with Eric. And you were kissing him. And she's actually defending herself. She's like, you were spying on me? Is this, excuse me? Um, Winnie, are you not currently dating, um, Kevin? I don't get this. She has no guilt for what she did. So, frustrated, she pushes Kevin into the water and run, um, walks off. It's like, excuse me, last time I checked, you were dating. If you didn't want to date him, you should have broken things off before you even went to the country club. She clearly must have been having reservations about her relationship because otherwise she would have just slipped so seamlessly into it. But then again, we've seen Winnie do this before. When she was with Roger in season uh, four, when she was going to the other school, it's almost like they can be together, but when they're separate, she gets tired of him. It's like she doesn't, when she's in a relationship with Kevin, she doesn't want to be in a relationship with him. But when she's not in a relationship with him, it's like that's when uh, she's pining at her. Well, I don't really think, can we even think of a time when she was pining over Kevin? It's usually the other way around. Kevin's always been the one pining after her. You know, in my mind, I think Kevin is just chasing after this dream girl that doesn't exist. It's like, what he sees in Winnie, he forgives all of her faults. The times that she's cheated on him, this technically would be the second time, I believe. And I just, I don't know. It just seems like when she was with him, and I've said this before, it's like, Either she's bored with him or she's not satisfied with him and she goes looking for someone else. So what is it that holds them together exactly? But it just, she angers me so much in this as when he admits that he saw her, she doesn't deny it. All she says is you were spying on me. It's like you were broken up. You were dating. So you were in fact cheating on him. She needs to own up to that. Like, if you didn't want to be in a relationship with him anymore, you should have opened your mouth and said something. But then again, we know Winnie. She really doesn't talk that much. And she's not one to really discuss her feelings, especially when it comes to relationships. So now we move on to Kevin playing cards with the uh, mariachi band. And Kevin wants to get enough money to, like, buy the resort. And he wants to win enough money to buy the resort and, like, fire all the lifeguards. Yeah. So he's basically playing this game fueled by anger and frustration. So Kevin puts down 20. And then he, the one guy, ups it to 50. And Kevin's like, I don't have $50. How long have they been playing, and what happened to all that money that he just wanted? Did he just throw it all into the pot? So Kevin decides to throw in the keys to his car. Bad mistake, Kevin. This is not going to end well. 
I'm surprised they don't, I mean, if they're going to ask, like, oh, you got a car? Okay, what kind of car? Does it, does it matter to them what kind of car this is? It's a big boat car. So I want to play this, how this is going to go down. All right, so 50. 50? I don't have 50. No pay, no play. What's it going to be? Anyway, it felt good. It felt like revenge against a world that had turned against me. Three kings straight, four hands, four jacks. Yep, Kevin lost the pot and uh, his car too, so he's got no. One of the guys even suggests, "Oh, ho, ho, you take a bus home." Like uh, Kevin is royally pissed, so he heads into the dining room looking for Winnie, and of course his manager, or I don't know if he even still has a job, is like, "Hey, you need to have your uniform on when you're here." And it's like, "Uh, it's my time off. No, I'll wear what I wish." So I'm going to play this clip here. Kevin's up all. Beat it. Young man, where's your uniform? Stick it. <laughs> the next morning, I made up my mind. Winnie? Hey. I'd had all night to decide what to do. I just want you to know. <laughs> there you had it. set out to find myself and ended up losing everything. So Kevin goes into the dining room, royally pissed, sees Winnie. She's sitting at a table with Eric. So is she now with him then, I guess? Kevin just takes a look at him. I just want to say something. He hauls off and punches Eric right in the face or in the nose. And the guy just, he flattens him out across the table, and the guy is just shocked. Like, he's like, I don't get it. What happened? As he's kind of holding his hand to his nose, you see a little bit of blood, but it's not like his nose is gushing blood. And Winnie is just looking there shocked. She doesn't say anything. She's just looking at him like, I can't believe you did that. And Kevin says, well, I'll be leaving now. And he just, he walks out like, Mic drop. And hmm, we hear Kevin say, um, adult Kevin saying, he came there to find himself and he had lost everything. He lost his car. He doesn't have a way to get home. So he's going to be hitchhiking. So Kevin says, you know, he's been walking for a bit. You know, just, you know, time to just kind of figure things out and everything. And it's just, oh my gosh. Hey, he's passing the same field of cows and horses that when he was driving up. I wonder how far is this country club from where 
Um, he lives. It's gotta be at least an hour or more away. It's, I mean, I'm sure it is. So, Kevin's just, you know, he's hurt. He's hurting. He's just thinking about, you know, loss and betrayal. You know, his girlfriend cheated on him and everything. And just, I don't know how hot it is there, but boy, oh boy, was it hot yesterday here. Ooh, 90 plus degrees. Oh, my God. Anyway, <laughs> of course, Kevin gets hungry. Like, he forgot to eat lunch when he stormed out. And he decides to go for the cookies. Are those cookies even in there? I bet those guys ate them. Okay, so the tin is in there. Okay, and he's got the cookies. And we hear a cow mooing, like, right nearby. And Kevin's probably thinking, great, I get to have lunch with a cow sta uh, standing nearby me. <laughs> he actually turns and looks at the cow who's got her head stuck between the, um, the slats of the, the fence there. And he looks at her and says, beat it. And if I, if I were that cow, I'd be like, uh, you're sitting on my property, guy. You beat it. So he puts the cookie back in the tin. You're not going to eat that? I thought you were hungry. So while Kevin's kind of sitting there, he's kind of ruminating about what to do. Because we know he's got no car. It's a long way back to home. And I think he's probably contemplating um, hitch, uh, hitching a ride. Which, don't do that. Do not ever consider hitchhiking. That is so dangerous. Don't hitchhike. Don't pick up hitchhikers. It's not safe. Even in 1972, it's not safe. So I'm going to play this clip of Kevin just kind of walking and ruminating and contemplating. Because it's kind of funny, especially with the cow. I thought that cow was adorable. I walked for a long time. Didn't have a destination. Just a lot on my mind. Heartbreak, loss, betrayal. Most of all, one thought kept coming back to me. Again and again, like an old song. his collar up, kind of like, uh, one of those, um, like, uh, drifters that are just, you know, walking from town to town, never really belonging any place. And a car comes up, and he's kind of like, hey, hey, as he's flagging him down, he's also getting his stuff thrown back in his duffel bag, so. So he flags them down, they're an old couple, and the lady looks familiar, she's been in a lot of stuff, so I'm gonna look her up. But Kevin gets a surprise when he opens up the back door. Hey! So much for philosophy. What I needed was a ride. Hey, stop! Hey! <laughs> hey! Need a lift? Yeah, actually. Listen, is there a bus station around here? Yeah, pop in. Thanks. Do 
world, she has to walk into mine. Winnie, would you mind moving your stuff over? Yes, I'd mind. Fine. Fine, I don't care. A lovely afternoon, isn't it? Would anybody like some music? Sure. Yeah, thank you. So, what happened? You went out of bathing suits? Cannons. Or did Mr. Muscles find himself a new squeeze? I got fired. They fired you? Because of you. Well, congratulations. Who would have ever thought little Miss Two-Time would get a dose Are you really something, you know that? You are absolutely contemptible. Me? What about you? Rat? Tramp. That's it. Stop the car. I'm getting out. Oh, no. No, I'm getting out. Fine, then. Get out. So the actress who plays the uh, the wife, her name is Billy Bird. She passed away in 2002. What a lot of people might know her from is she was a woman in the airport that Kevin's mother was trying to like, you know, sell a Rolodex and earrings and stuff like that to be able to take their flight to get home. Um, she was also in 16 Candles. Uh, she was in Dennis the Menace. She's been in a lot of stuff. I wonder if she's been in more than one episode of The Wonder Years. Uh, the last thing she did was an uh, episode of some show called George and Leo. She was in Jury Duty. Oh, she was in two episodes of The Wonder Years. Uh, oh, she was in Summer and Independence Day. What the heck did she play in Summer? Unless that was just a, a recap of something that was going to happen. Wow, she's been in um, Ernest Saves Christmas. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that movie. She was in an episode of Who's the Boss and Cheers, so a lot of, like, 80 sitcoms. Oh, she was in a couple episodes of Silver Spoons, the podcast I'm going to be covering this September. Um, Facts of Life, Benson. She was in 34 episodes of Benson. She played Mrs. Rose Cassidy slash Mrs. Endicott. Uh, Wow. Oh, uh, she was in the Three's Company spinoff called Three's a Crowd. She played Jack's Aunt May. She was in a movie in 1921. Oh, it's a short. It's called Grass Widowers. She, in 1950, she played in a movie called Dallas. She was a school teacher, but she was in... Okay, okay, who cares? All right, let's move on. So, um, Kevin opens the door, and who's sitting there? In the back, but Winnie with her ginormous suitcase, and the woman asks, like, oh, do you two know each other? And they're both like, no, we don't. Yet, their arguing seems to, uh, yeah, like, yeah, they know each other. And, uh, so... And he's like, oh, did you run out of bathing suits? Or did your guy get a new girl or something like that? And she's like, no, I got fired because of you. And he's like, you got fired? Really? <laughs> it's like, well, when he, you know, he, he calls her a tramp. And she's like, oh, you have a lot. Of, it's like, Winnie, he's not exactly wrong. You did cheat on him. I'm. He doesn't have to call her a tramp, but still. What exactly can you say in your defense that's going to make it better? That's going to, I mean, you can't. 
When you cheat on, you cannot say anything to make it better or defend yourself, really. So the uh, woman, the wife, says, "Hey, do you want some music?" Kevin's like, "Yeah, sure." As at the same time, when he's like, "No, no, no," and she kind of just looks at them, like, "What is with these two? What kind of kids did we pick up?" So when he's like, "Stop the car! I'm getting out," and Kevin's like, "No, stop the car! I'm getting out." So. They both end up getting ejected from the car. Like, both of you, get the hell out of my car. My god! I can't see having Kevin for a boyfriend or an anything. He is constantly ragging on her. It's just... And he blames her, like, Oh, you got us kicked out of the car! It's like, shut up, Kevin. And she's kind of just sitting on her suitcase, and she's like, I'm not talking to you. And then he's like, Do you have to cry like that? Like... What the heck? Kevin! Oh my god. Why are they supposed to be a good couple again? <laughs> I want to play this little argument on the side of the road. They uh, really start hashing out at each other. And she even starts bringing up stuff like, Oh, you never look at anybody else? It's like, yeah, Kevin. Remember the girl from the beach? We haven't got... Or, the beach. From the lake. Uh, that episode's coming up. Uh, in season five, so, and he is right now in season five with Winnie, so, she's, uh, she's gonna bring that up, you know she's gonna. So, we both got out. So, you happy now? Speaking to you. I don't care, no skin off my nose. said it all. Goodbye, Kevin Arnold. You have a nice life. I hate you. The feeling's mutual. So, yeah, she does bring up Kara from the lake, and he's like, oh, who told you about that? And she's like, you are so transparent. It's like, yeah. 
All she had to do was men uh, mention that, and it's just like, I doubt he acted on that. He was dating you. I, I don't even know why the heck he went up there to begin with, but we'll get to that when we get to that episode later this month. So they're both really heated. They're very angry. Kevin takes her, or no, she takes his duffel bag and chucks it into the road, and then he goes one better, takes her giant suitcase and heaves it because it's so heavy. And heaves it into the road, and of course, what happens but a big, giant truck full of hay bales comes along and goes right over them. Like, oh, crap. So, he walks off in a huff, like, hey, have a nice life. And she actually tells him, she's like, I hate you. And he's like, well, the feeling's mutual. Boom! Thunder starts. Rain is pouring down. Well, yeah. At least they're getting out their aggressions. And the way they're just kind of looking at each other, it's almost like they're getting heated and turned on, like, by the the fighting and stuff. It's like, oh, God, that's making them hot. <laughs> the one thing about that, when they fight, it's like they, they, they make up. Or do they? Torrential downpour. <laughs> so they manage to find a barn somewhere. Whether it's just, it can't be a random barn because there is, like, animals in this barn. It's just 
be together, you know? Once upon a time, there was a girl I knew who lived across the street. Brown hair, brown eyes. When she smiled, I smiled. When she cried, I cried. Every single thing that ever happened to me that mattered, in some way, had to do with her. That day, Winnie and I promised each other that, no matter what, that we'd always be together. It was a promise full of passion, and truth, and wisdom. It was the kind of promise that can only come from the hearts of the very young. So, yes, it was a very long clip. I hope you liked it. Um... Kevin and Winnie do find refuge in a barn, probably on someone's property, and he looks out. He finds a 
Whether it's an oil lamp or just a lamp that just and matches right nearby, which is awesome. So it does give them a little bit of light they can kind of see. Winnie is on the floor of the barn, just kind of tucked away against a corner, and she's got a horse, one of those really nice horse blankets draped over her. Because, of course, you know, both of them are soaking wet. When that downpour hit, it's like it's soaked through all of their clothes. So I like this. They finally, they got their anger out, and now they're kind of holed up in this barn, and they have time to kind of, you know, work through their differences and finally really be able to talk. And Winnie sneezes, and I'm thinking, oh, no, don't let her get pneumonia. So Kevin, of course, is complaining about the situation, like, huh, I think this is, this is kind of funny, you know that? I mean, this is just great. And she's like, you think this is funny? And he's like, yeah. And I think he just means, like, the irony of it all. It's like, just them fighting and then being, you know, forced to take refuge in this barn and, and then just... They finally have the time to kind of hash this out and everything without screaming at each other. So Kevin kind of takes a walk down memory lane and he's like, you know, I, I think he mere thinks it's funny that, you know, you grow up just next, to, next door to somebody or across the street and it's like, you think you know them, but then it's like, you really don't know them. Like, yeah, it's like, you know... Neighbors that I kind of grew up a little bit with, you know, neighbor kids and stuff. And it's like, you think you know them, like you hang out every once in a while. But I think Kevin's more talking about, you know, his, in his case with Winnie, it's like, they grew up across the street from each other. And he just, he sees her as this perfect girl in his mind, in a way like she can do no wrong She's just perfect, but he's not, he's just seeing surface level stuff. He's not really seeing down to her, her very core. I mean, there are things about her that Kevin probably doesn't even know. So it's almost like in a way he kind of, I shouldn't say, not idolized, but I'm not sure what the right word is. It's almost like he, yeah, he's put her on a pedestal in a way. But he just realizes that he really knows nothing about Winnie. After all this time, I mean, she could still, you know, surprise him. And he says it's just like, and then overnight, it's like you don't even know that person at all. It's like, yeah, you probably knew what you, you know, growing up as kids and everything. But like I said, surface level stuff. I mean, when has he ever actually sat down with Winnie and just talked out, like, problems or, or, or just like what's going on in her head and everything like that. I mean, there was a time the season four, the accident where I guess she kind of wanted to open up to him about being in a different school and just being a, you know, a new person with other kids. And just, I think also in what was going on with the anniversary of her brother and everything like that. And, but he really didn't get to, I, I think he wanted to be able to almost get inside her head and, you know, and help her out and figure out these confusing thoughts and everything, but she never really gave him much of a, a chance there. And when he kind of throws it back in his face, she's like, you think you haven't changed? And he's like, what, are you kidding me? And she's like, yeah. 
It's like, yeah, you grew up as little kids together, but now you're almost adults. You're gonna go through changes, you know, personality changes, and just, you're gonna be different people than the kids that you were growing up across the street from each other. I think they can both agree that they both changed since they were kids. They've gone through a lot of stuff. Winnie, definitely, I mean, with the death of her brother, that just really changed her. But then again, that was a pilot episode, so we really didn't know, other than the flashback of um, that previous barbecue that the Coopers had when Brian was still alive, when he was this cute, fun, energetic child, and she turned into a quiet, solemn little mouse. So, when he does finally open up, and she says, I think this had to happen, you know, today, tomorrow, so is she referring to them being stuck in that barn and just them finally being able to hash out their differences and everything? I'm getting, or... Maybe, and even Kevin says, you know, I don't think this would work out. I think they're talking about their relationship coming to this crossroads. And she just, I think in her heart maybe knows that there isn't going to be this thing that they have between each other is not going to be this epic end-all be-all romance that in Kevin's mind is what he sees. It's like, they've grown so much that they're not, and she even says, we're not the kids we used to be. I like how she kind of brings Peter Pan into the mix about how, you know, Peter Pan never wanted to grow up, and she says, you know, we all have to grow up sometime. And, and Kevin kind of admits, you know, I always kind of seen us as ending up together. And she's like, yeah. And she says, you know, yeah, together forever. And I think... It's a nice little fantasy to um, when you're kids, when you're teenagers. It's like you picture years down the road, and you don't see yourself without that other person. You don't th see the obstacles that c could get in the way of, you know, you and this other person being together. You know, life takes you in so many different directions. And Kevin kind of admits out loud, he's like, it's not going to happen, is it? And she's like, no. Like... Them being together forever, or even together then. What they have might last through high school, but they're both going to go in different directions. They're both going to want other things. And Kevin has spent his whole life living, well, most of his life living across from Winnie and everything like that. And We've seen Kevin dating other people, but it's like, he's always been good with 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 Winnie in the in the end I mean I think with some of the other girls that he's been with it's like in our mind they will never measure up to Winnie but then again I think us do we put her on a pedestal too or do we see her for her flaws so the storm kind of picks up lightning strikes Kevin hears a noise, which he thinks is maybe someone coming to the barn, and it's just the barn door kind of, like, hitting against the side of the barn. The wind is kind of picking up, and Kevin thinks there's something there, and he looks, and it's a horse. And he, like, ah! he jumps over um, the, the side door or something like that, uh, part of the barn. And he's kind of laughing to himself, like, oh my gosh, I just got spooked by a horse. This is crazy. 
And he's kind of laughing to himself about it. And he looks at Winnie, and Winnie is crying. She's, um... And I want to read, I got the quote. This is such a beautiful quote. You did hear it in the clip that I had played, so. And this just really, I think, sums up just Kevin and Winnie's relationship and, and the show and how... Okay. So this is from narrator uh, adult Kevin. And it's just so beautiful. This is actually, as you know, he gets down there with her and she opens up her blanket... For him to, you know, come inside and snuggle up next to her and they kiss. And this is just kind of, he's talking over this. Once upon a time, there was a girl I knew who lived across the street. Brown hair, brown eyes. When she smiled, I smiled. When she cried, I cried. Every single thing that ever happened to me that mattered in some way had to do with her. That day, Winnie and I promised each other that no matter what, that we'd always be together. It was a promise full of passion and truth and wisdom. It was a kind of promise that can only come from the hearts of the very young. Now, I remember watching the biography channel. They did a special on this episode. And because we kind of close out the scene of them kissing... And one of the, whether it was the creators or someone that worked on the show said that was a big thing. Most people think, like, yes, they did lose their virginity together. That they did sleep together in that barn. I mean, the setting was perfect. The timing was perfect. They'd finally, you know, hashed out what they needed. They finally talked and got everything out. Like, we might not be together forever, but for right now, we're here. So, it's like, you, you see that moment, and you make that moment last for as long as possible. Because it will never come back again. Because, after Kevin sees that horse and everything, he's kind of laughing about it. He looks at Winnie, and Winnie is crying. And when she looks up at him, she says, she cries. She says, I don't want it to end. And he doesn't either. So, yeah. Alright, now we're getting back to town. It's the 4th of July parade. So, Kevin and Winnie arrive there, and he just says how, you know, being the small town, and how they felt different. Like, almost like Stand By Me, when the boys come back to town after seeing the dead body and everything like that. It's like, the town felt different, they felt different, because so much had changed. It's almost like that they had grown up in a minute. And in a way, it kind of had for Kevin and Winnie. You know, so much as, you know, they were together, they broke up, they they got back together, and just, you know, being in that barn, and, you know, they lost their innocence together. They lost their virginity together. So, you know, they everything feels different, but in a good way. So I'm going to play the clip of the finale here, and then I'll talk about it afterwards. This is actually, when I read in the trivia, this all was put in during post-production, the narration and everything, because they'd found out they were not going to be coming back for season seven. 
I kind of, I don't know. I really, but you know, I'm going to talk about that after when we get done with this. Kind of like what I think about if it had went on another season or two. So we could at least see Kevin graduate from high school. <laughs> the next day, Winnie and I came home. Back to where we'd started. It was the 4th of July in that little suburban town. Somehow, though, things were different. Our past was here, but our future was somewhere else. And we both knew, sooner or later, we had to go. It was the last July I ever spent in that town. The next year after graduation, I was on my way. Paul! Hey, Paul! So was Paul. He went to Harvard, of course. Studied law. He's still allergic to everything. Thanks a lot. Listen, I'll be right back. Hang on one second. son was born that September. I gotta say, I think he looks like me. Poor kid. Mom, she did well. Businesswoman, board chairman, grandmother, cooker of mashed potatoes. The waiter stayed on in furniture. Wood seemed to suit him. In fact, he took over the factory two years later when dad passed away. summer to study art history in Paris. Still, we never forgot our promise. We wrote to each other once a week for the next eight years. I was there to meet her when she came home. With my wife and my first son, eight months old. Alright, so we kind of get a peek into the future of what everyone's going to be doing. Uh, the following, That was the last 4th of July Kevin spent in his town because the following year he would have graduated from high school and head off to college. We also learn that Paul went to Harvard, of course. Kevin's like, of course he did because he's amazing. Paul's amazing. Uh, Winnie went off to study in Art history in Paris. That's awesome. 
Um, let's see. We see that Karen's back. She's pregnant. And Kevin says two months later, so this is 4th of July, in September, her son would have been born. So Kevin's going to be an uncle. So I'm guessing, did they even know she was pregnant? Because if that's the case, she was seven months long. She should, I'm sure she said something over the phone. But it's a big surprise for everyone else. Um, so, yeah, she had a little boy. Kevin says he looks just like me. Norma, um, she became a, hold on, oops, so Norma became a businesswoman, a board chairman, oh, see, going back to college in season four, paid off, it paid off, Norma, so Wayne stayed on to work at his dad's factory, and he took over, um, after Jack passed away, two years, Two years later. That is so sad. So when Kevin's in college, his dad would be gone. I kind of, I would love to see why they made the decision to have Jack pass away. Just so that way Wayne will probably have something left to take over. Maybe, I don't know. But, yeah. Yep. That's... You know, and Kevin tells us that he and Winnie kept their promise. They wrote to each other once a week for eight years. And he was there when she got off the plane with his wife and his eight-month-old son. Aww. So I take it uh, Winnie went to Paris on, like, an internship or something like that. Okay. And then I guess she herself probably got married and they just kind of kept um, back and forth with that. So and I'm sure... Yo, Kevin's wife had to know, I mean, if you're going to be married to Kevin, you know, he does stay in contact with his old girlfriend, which she clearly doesn't have a problem with. I mean, she and Winnie probably became good friends. So now we move to the kitchen where Kevin and Jack are talking, and Kevin's kind of needling, like, oh, you're going to be a grandpa. I was like, ah, that's <laughs> just so sweet. So I'm going to play that clip. Like I said, things never turn out exactly the way you planned. It's good. It's a good fourth. Yeah. So you're going to be a grandpa, huh? And as you had heard in the clip that Kevin and Jack do kind of patch things up and they're everything's good now. 
And I'm just kind of realizing as Kevin's like, oh, you're going to be a grandpa, gray hair and everything. And what's really sad is he only gets to be there for a couple years of his first grandson's life. He'll never be able to meet Kevin's grandson. Or, <laughs> excuse me, Kevin's son, his other grandchild. And that's that's sad. I wonder if Wayne had any kids, you know? Um, I'm sure he did. So that is the end of the episode. And I do want to do, you did hear the, the quote in the clip, the, the clip, and I kind of want to read it again, because this is such a beautiful, beautiful clip. Probably one of the best since, you know, it is the very last episode. All right, from Adult Kevin. The next day, Winnie and I came home, back to where we'd started. It was the 4th of July in that little suburban town. Somehow, though, things were different. Our past was here, but our future was somewhere else, and we both knew. Sooner or later, we had to go. It was the last July I ever spent in that town. The next year, after graduation, I was on my way. So was Paul. He went to Harvard, of course. Studied law. Of course he did. <laughs> He's still allergic to everything. As for my father, well, we patched things up. Hey, we were family, for better or worse. One for all and all for one. Karen's son was born in that September. I gotta say, I think he looks like me. Poor kid. Mom, she did well. Businesswoman, board chairman, grandmother, cooker of mashed potatoes. Wayne stayed on in furniture, would seem to suit him. In fact, he took over the factory two years later when Dad passed away. Winnie left the next summer to study art history in Paris. Still, we never forgot our promise. We wrote to each other once a week for the next eight years. I was there to meet her when she came home with my wife and my first son, eight months old. Like I said, things never turn out exactly the way you planned. Growing up happens in a heartbeat. One day you're in diapers, next day you're gone. But the memories of childhood stay with you for the long haul. I remember a place, a town, a house, like a lot of other houses, a yard, like a lot of other yards, on a street, like a lot of other streets. And the thing is, after all these years, I still look back with wonder. And that is a, that is the quote. That is so such a beautiful quote. It sums up not just this episode, but the show in general. I gotta hand it to the writers. They have some of the best dialogue, some of the best quotes of any show I've ever seen in my life. And from what I read, um, they did they didn't know whether or not they were going to come back for a seventh season or continue the show. Um, there were speculation of sexual harassment allegations over Fred Savage and Jason Hervey, and I'm guessing whether or not that had anything to do with why they pulled the plug, I'm not sure. I do notice that in season five and six, as though I, you know, I am covering season five, I'll get into season six in August, the writing felt a little stale, as in they really didn't know what to do with Kevin. Being, you know, he was older now, you know, you can only take so far, he's got his driver's license, he's getting jobs, and this and that in school. It's like, where else can you really take this character? And watching that biography channel, um, 
documentary thing of the Wonder Years, it's like they themselves were really scratching, you know, scraping the bottom of the barrel. They were trying to find something to tell about Kevin that people can relate to. I mean, you can definitely relate between the ages of, you know, 12 and 16. But after that, it's like high school graduation, then college life, then adulthood and the workforce and everything like that. So I don't know. My guess is if the show had gone on for another year, would have we would have seen Kevin graduating high school. We would have seen him leaving home and going to college. We would have maybe seen Buster. We have only seen Buster for maybe, what, two, three episodes tops? So he's probably in the backyard in the doghouse. But, um, yeah, as far, for the rating for this, I am going to give it... I'm going to give it a five out of five. I, I really loved this series finale. It was a great end to the show. I liked that, you know... Kevin punched that guy. I know probably, you know, ended up getting Winnie fired. But that way they were able to take refuge in the barn. You know, I like that they were able to patch things up. I liked, you know, them coming back on the 4th. You know, they reconcile, you know, Kevin reconciles with his dad. We get a voiceover of what happens to everybody in the future. So that way we're not left wondering. And... You know, just Kevin sitting down at the table with his dad and just talking about what... And, you know, um, Kevin's monologue. We actually hear Daniel Stern, who does the provides the narration as adult Kevin. We hear his real son come in at the end of the episode and say, Hey, Dad, you want to throw around the baseball? He's like, oh, I'll be right there. That was a sweet, sweet touch. I really, really liked it. I loved it. I loved it all. And I kind of wonder, if they hadn't put in that narration of where everyone went and just left it like that, I, I would have, I wouldn't have been as happy. When a show ends, I like the idea of them telling us where the characters end up instead of us having to guess. It almost feels like a fi you know, final chapter, you can finally close the book because you have all the information. I don't want to guess in my own mind where these characters... I mean, it's fun to guess and everything, but I like having the concrete facts, the answers. Um, as far as for Wonderling Words of Wisdom, um, maybe sometimes it takes being shut in into an area and finally hashing out all your problems and everything with a person you're having disagreements with, you know, someone that you're close with, whether it's a friend or family member, and you're at odds with each other, or even, like, say if you were stuck in an elevator, you would have time to be able to hash out, like, everything, get everything out on the floor. That way you have no secrets, you got, you know... Sometimes maybe that is the best way to work out your differences, is to get two people into a space that they cannot es escape from. Or something like that. I don't know. That's just me. I've never been in that situation. Alright, so that is the Independence Day episode. I hope that you enjoyed it. Um, what's going to be happening for July? I am going to be two, doing two episodes a week. I'm sorry you hear a lot of traffic throughout the clips and everything like that. But I do have the windows open. A lot of traffic's been going down this road. It's summertime. You know, we're 
away from, you know, we're close to the beach, so a lot of people take our road to get to the beach. So, um, it's a heavily traffic road. Um, but like I said, I'm going to be doing two episodes a week in July, so that way we can jump into season six in August. Yep. So that is the plan. So this week I will be doing Lunch Stories and Carnal Knowledge, which is the one where Paul loses his virginity. So, Kevin gets to be a good friend, to be supportive, and be a good listener. Because for Paul, it's just a confusing time for him, having gone through that. And he's just got a lot of questions, a lot of worries. So Kevin is there to give advice and just be a good listener. Uh, If you're new to the podcast, there are ways you can connect with me or the podcast. You can follow along on Instagram at LBOM Wonder Years Podcast. I post pictures of upcoming episodes, stuff like that. You can give your um, comments on what you think about the episode and everything. I'd love to hear them. Also, the Facebook page, Looking Back on My Wonder Years and Wonder Years Podcast. Also, pretty much the same thing as Instagram, just posting about upcoming episodes, episodes that are up on iTunes. Um, if you'd like to reach out to me personally, you can do so at lbomwonderyearspodcast at gmail.com. It's just kind of share your memories of the show and, you know, what your favorite episodes are and everything like that. Um, if you like this podcast, I would love it if you could go to iTunes, leave a review and a rating. That would make me so happy. Um, I am almost done with the Vice Versa movie review. I also, for the Tea Time with Mr. Belvedere podcast, I am doing two episodes of that a week. So, look forward to that. And eventually, later this month, I will get into, uh, getting that American Dreams episode out. That was due in June, so. That being said, everyone have a wonderful 4th of July if you do celebrate it. Just be safe. You know, be careful, you know, with handling fireworks and everything like that. Kids, don't touch fireworks. Just let the parents take care of it, and you just enjoy the show. So, alright guys. I'll be back later this week with the Wonder Years episodes, Lunch Stories, and Carnal Knowledge. (laughs) Have a great day, and happy 4th of July.